Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Night Spice podcast. I'm Neil and I'm here with Oscar. Hey Neil. How's it going? Oh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. That's good. We're going to review uh, the 1970 Hugo Award winner, The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin. Yes, our uh, second second Ursula Le Guin book. Yes, yeah. Which is, she's the first one, the first repeat customer, right? Yes, our first repeat right. customer. Um, and, and notably, this book beat out last week's, last episode's um, book that we reviewed, Slaughterhouse-Five, in the same year. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, you want to you wanna take us away with the little plot summary? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Spoilers, um, I guess. Yeah, spoilers abound. Um, so, right. So, the left hand of darkness... Uh, takes place in a universe where there's an ecumen which tries to induct planets into its society uh it's kind of unclear what the ecumen is but it's something very good and uh the main character genli goes to um a new world called winter in his language um which uh is inhabited by these androgynous uh people who are neither male nor female um, and he spends uh, the book. The, the the planet has two uh, notable countries, Carhide and Orgarin. Uh, Genli first tries to convince the Carhiders to join the Ecumen, and when they rebuff him, he goes to Orgarin. Hey, did you audiobook this or read it? By the way, I I did both actually. I audiobooked okay. it and couldn't figure out what was going on, and then I read it and really understood what was going on. Okay. Yeah. I originally, when I read this for the first time, it was audiobook, which is rare for me, but you pronounce everything the same way I would. So that make that's why I thought Pro- you probably listened. Yeah. Also. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, probably because whoever read that book pronounced it this way. Right. Okay. So the main like world building premise is right. Androgynous or they're sometimes called ambisexual in the book. They can sort of, when Every 26-ish days, they go into a sort of cycle and can, you know, manifest as either male or female. And, you know, any anyone can become pregnant, bear children, etc. So, and they see, they are the only race that Genli knows about that has this. And there's some speculation that they are some strange experiment by the original, uh, the original sort of precursor race that seeded a bunch of worlds but it's not really resolved and they they think genli is weird and he thinks they are weird right they call each other well they call him a pervert right because he's he's like always in heat basically which is and yeah i thought that was sort of an insightful way of how they might think about someone that we consider normal right um yes um, so I guess, right. So I, I th- and then he, he spends most of the book, like you were saying, trying to very sort of peacefully prime directive Star Trek Federation style, convince these two governments to join the ecumen. They have to sort of do it of their own free will because they're mature enough as a society and... Do you want to talk about the other main character? 
Um, yes, there's Estraven, who is uh, the Prime Minister of Carhide, but um, there is uh, yeah, some sort of... So, so Carhide is a, a kingdom, and he is the Prime Minister, and there's a king, and he's a falling out with the king uh, who exiles him. Um, ostensibly because he handled some border war with Orgerain poorly. Uh, but I'm not sure of the actual reason. Yeah, it seems like he was sort of maneuvered out by Tybe, the guy yes. who replaces him. Yeah. Um, and they, they both end up in Orgerain, and uh, Estravan tries to arrange um, for uh, Genli to meet the leaders of Orgerain and convince them to join the Ecumen. Um, and he, there's an open trade fact. So in Orgerain, they have like kind of a uh, legislature, like a parliamentary system, if you will. Yeah, um, but it's also kind of like this Soviet yeah, bureaucracy kind of place. It's yeah. A, yeah. I guess it's probably definitely modeled off the Soviet Union, maybe inspired by it, given the times. Right. Um, yeah, so th- th- there's an open trade faction that is very interested in joining the Ecumen, but they are unable to convince their allies. And to save themselves, they uh, say that Genli was the traitor and they send him to some sort of prison camp in Siberia. Yeah, actually, the right. Soviet <laughs> analogy is really accurate. Uh, yeah, actually... I mean, everything is sort of communal and, but secretly bureau- bureaucratic and there's a secret police and all this stuff. Right. And all the commoners are like just getting screwed over all the time and they're right like, and they're sort of this is normal right yeah they're, they're sort of yeah well we can talk about that in a bit but yeah so i guess genli's literal through line through the story is he starts off in carhide becomes convinced that estraven has betrayed him and and or is not trustworthy tries to get the king of carhide to join the ecumen is rebuffed travels around Carhide for a while, then goes into Orgerain where he gets sort of enmeshed in this bureaucratic politics and then ends up in a prison camp. Estravan shows up when he is on the verge of death, breaks him out, and they travel for months across this like northern ice sheet Yeah, in this very intense sort of survivalist um, passage. And then they end up back in on the border of, of Carhide Estravan tries to cross the border and is shot and killed by the guards in Carhide on order of Tybe, who is his enemy. But then Genli's reemergence in Carhide sort of achieves all his goals. It discredits the faction in Orgerain that said he was a fake and had died in a prison camp, etc., not, not died and, in a prison camp, right? Like, just died of something else. Right. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah. Right. He had just sort of died and, and was irrelevant. And it discredits the new regent, Ty, because he said that Estravan was a traitor, but clearly Estravan had been working to bring Genli back to Carhide for Carhide's own prestige all along. So he is discredited. And then both countries feel that they are in danger of the other one joining first and sort of getting being being privileged for that reason. So both governments quickly join the Ecumen and Genli's mission is a success. Is that? Uh, yes. Um, they're, they're, they also, the, the reason why they believe Genli in the end is that he summons a spaceship in orbit to right. come down. And then everyone's like, oh, this thing's real. 
Yeah, which, yeah, it's a, it's a strange book. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is a strange book indeed. Uh, there's all, there's some structurally, there's some interwoven chapters of, you know, myths and notes from previous, there, there was a previous expedition that came in secret and sort of researched the society. And there's some of their notes and speculations. Was um, some of that like about Estrovan's youth? No, it's, it's right. So there's one chapter about, so my understanding is that no, there is a myth or, or there's a story about someone named Estrovan. Mm-hmm. Well, Estrovan is a title, but also has his name, his, his same name who has a, for, a forbidden, it's not, it's not uh, forbidden to have a, a relationship within your family, like with a sibling, but it is forbidden to sort of, to have, it's called kemering, like a, a lifetime monogamous pact with a sibling. And this character has, uh, enters into one of those with uh, a sibling and it sort of ends tragically. And my understanding is that it's not Estrovan. It's a, it's a previous king also named Argaven who first united the kingdom of Carhide. But it mirrors that the same thing happened to Estrovan. He had a similar forbidden um, kemering with his brother, Arik, who died. Oh, I That's, see. Yeah. Which... Yeah. So, it, yeah, a, a lot of the, in the way that these things are, a lot of the interstitials are are sort of oblique, and maybe all come together in some profound way. But to me, it was just sort of like, okay, they fill in the the feeling, and, right? And and yeah, give me some background. Yeah, and sort of a sense of realism, right? Um, so what's the deal with the title? Like there's a poem in the book about it. Is right. It, I, so, right. Uh, go on. It, it, is this like a reference to like yin and yang? It's like the right locations for that. Yeah, I think it, it right. So the, the line, what darkness, uh, light is the left hand of darkness, darkness, the left, the right hand of light. Yes. I think something. Okay. Yeah. And I, well, it's also, I think the. I think he talks about it a little Genley does about, or maybe it's one of the earlier researchers about how they, they have this very balanced attitude towards things, probably mirroring their sort of the, like their sexual makeup and how to most outside worlds, it might be more of a, you know, like light is good and darkness is bad or scary or dangerous or something. So it's, it's this very sort of, and there's a section later on talking about Meshi or who's some sort of religious figure and how Meshi sort of saw all time at once. And, you know, in, in the way, in the way that you might like talking to someone living, but is also aware of them being dead a thousand years from now, etc. So I think it is this sort of all things are balanced and right you know and i think i've read that that she had some some taoist influences oh yes in mind when she wrote this book so 
Yeah, it seems more East Asian. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely thought Genli and Estrovan were going to get together in that ice tent. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if that would work out. Well, they even so, talked about that. They were like... Oh, yeah, you're right. They were like, it's going to gonna be sterile. Oh, right, right, right. Right, they can't actually... Yeah, like a, a mule, right? Yes, yes. And that's okay. how the mule and foundation was born. Um, oh, you think it's all the same? Yes, and the original... <laughs> race that populated this universe was clearly um the bujold um oh god universe <laughs> yeah really this loved. is part of a a loose world building construct that includes the dispossessed and some yes. other stuff yeah um uh and and it includes uh, uh does it the late of no, heaven i'm not sure if it i don't i guess not explicitly yeah um so yeah so what what did you what was your reaction we can leave star ratings until later but yeah um general reactions and then we can get into stuff i enjoyed the book um i uh, as i said when i listened to the audiobook i didn't know what was happening because like there's a couple sentences where it like transitions from chapter to chapter and if you miss those sentences Hmm. uh, the whole thing seems very disjoint but when i read it it was much better Um, oh like like those chapters that aren't part of the narrative no not even that just like how did he get to ordering or like why is he fling on an ice sheet because oh right yeah oh yeah because there are chapters that are from also that are from estrovan's point of view that genley has reassembled from his notes yes yeah so if you like miss the beginning of those chapters then you're like you have it takes you a while to right. infer that this is not from uh genley's point of view um yeah uh, but i enjoyed the book um i thought the writing was pretty good and I thought uh, the story was sufficiently interesting and not um, overly dramatic. Yeah, I and did. I, I'm a big fan of her as a writer, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's a little, it's a little um, heavy, not like not overwritten, but it's a little, um, like it's a little heavy on the world building and on the made up words and uh, you know descriptions of clothing and architecture it's it's a little less like naturalistic that i than than i might prefer in a vacuum like i think it all works but but it's a little yeah it's it's not as elegant as it could have been i mean it's also probably 50 years old at this point, right? Yeah, 1970. Somehow that's um, 50 years ago. Yeah, I know. I sort of think of it as being 30 years ago. Same, because it's, it's just always, 2000 minus. Right, it's always the year 2000 now. Right, yeah. That's my motto. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess there were some semi-feminist themes, like if everyone's getting pregnant, then the world is better. Right. Oh, yeah. There's definitely some stuff about how the lack of, um, like, quote unquote, regular, like human, um, sexuality, the consequence of it, 
one of the consequences of it is war, um, which she she doesn't really seem to commit to because there is a point where she also seems to say that it's actually technological improvement that leads to war. Right. And that the reason that they're at peace is just because they have never really surpassed nature in any substantial way. So they they've never been able to, like, turn their attention to other things like murdering each other, but they're clearly on that path. Yeah, th- th- that's um, all hinted at, and they keep uh, having little skirmishes in the Sinoth right. Valley or the the border region between Karaid and Orgarine. Right, Alsace Lorraine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How do you feel about the two? Oh, all right. Here, I don't. I'm not going to ask you what you feel. I was <laughs> uh, sort of. You can tell me what you think. I thought that the countries were a little broadly drawn, specifically Orgarin, and it kind of bothered me that Genli was so wide-eyed and taken aback. Like, he says he's not, really, but so taken aback by the idea that of, of sort of an authoritarian bureaucracy, um, specifically. But, like, he thinks it can possibly exist? No, he's just like he's he just seems sort of nice this okay this is a general problem i have with the book maybe my number one criticism i I have a a little trouble buying genli in his role like he's constantly jumping to conclusions and being wrong about people's motivations um he's he's uh, like i appreciate the sort of well here i go into this world if i die i die that's how it goes i like that right but when he goes to orgarine he's like he, he just he seems to take a lot of things at face value. There are moments when he's like, yes, there are factions maneuvering here, but he never really thinks about it in any way. He never really seems to sense his danger. Um, and, and it, I don't know. He just seems really naive for the one person you choose to make first contact with a new world. Right. But uh, I guess I guess he's kind of naive, but they're also hinting that he just doesn't understand like the customs of the world because of the ambisexuality and um, right, like the That's shift rather. But like, I mean, the the concept of people, unless like the ecumen is supposed to be so sort of post-human at this point, but like people in Star Trek had no trouble understanding the concept of like an honor code or you know people being shady in a political way. Right. Even though, so um, there were there were just mo- like uh, particularly in the way he reacts to Estrovan a lot, where he'd just be like, clearly I could not trust him anymore. He was a, he had, you know, he he was shady and and sneaky and lied all the time, right? And like just discards the idea of ever. Um, and and I just feel like as a reader when he goes to Orgarin, you're like, okay, I see where this is going, right? At least I did when I read it like this. Yes, these people seem friendlier and everything seems more orderly. But underneath, what's the cost of that? Um, and he just sort of, I, I don't know. It, he, he didn't really seem to think critically about a lot of things, which kind of right um, made me mad, um, as you can tell. Yeah, he seemed pretty mad. Um, but I'm just imagining like some colonial dude going to like, India and like getting effed. Oh sure, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. But but the a colonial dude isn't going there in the spirit of like 
Right. It's I, a different I don't, spirit. I, I don't, this book could have been written from the perspective of the ecumen is sort of colonialist and condescending. Um, and, and he goes there and he thinks he's bringing them all this great knowledge and civilization, but really he's not. Right. But I don't think that's the, it, he, the book seems to be playing it pretty straight that the ecumen is enlightened and is, and its offer is genuine and valuable. Right. So it's not like he wanders in, is overconfident, gets ensnared and then, you know, has bad things happen to him. But he, he could still be like overconfident and not being a and still being like um like a like uh a, a good not trying to conquer the area. Yes, that's true. Um and, and they they do, yeah, I mean you're right. They he does say at the end like his inability to understand Shifgrethor and and all the, the intricacies made him miss uh, you know, not understand Estrovan and I just I don't know. I would have liked a little more self-awareness of like, like more uncertainty, I guess. Like he should have been more uncertain. Right. He should have been like, wow, this guy's hard to read. And I'm, I'm saying guy, she uses masculine pronouns and words all the way through, which I, I think she later regretted. And in, in the light of like current, it's, it's probably frustrating <laughs> to like trans rights people now that this book, which is probably pretty, groundbreaking in that way is at the time is all masculine pronouns right um i mean but so anyway yeah but the the um now i've now i've forgotten yeah oh yeah just that like i i would have preferred a little more i'm not sure what this guy's motivations are estrovin's motivations as opposed to at the beginning of the book, he's he's like this. Uh, Estrovan is my ally; I trust him. And then Estrovan says, "I can't help you," and he's and Genley thinks, "Oh, I've been betrayed. This guy's a scumbag." Right? No, there's no moment of like what outside pressures could have brought about this change. Like, what's really going on here? He just so. Um, right. Uh, yeah. That 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 part's a bit strange. Yeah, and you know, I, it's it could just be a matter of taste. Yeah, like it doesn't seem like it bothered you, so uh, that's good. I mean, I was fine with it while reading it. Uh, now that you've mentioned it, it I mean, it, I guess he does seem a bit naive. Like he he's not aware of his own and his own the, the he doesn't like there are kind of unknown unknowns in the world he's visiting, and he's not aware of them, which right. is like yeah, a very a strange thing for an explorer to have. yeah. Like you should be aware that there are many things. That he might not know he needs to know. Right. Yeah. That's nice. But work. I still found the book enjoyable. Me too. Yeah. And I and I liked that I found it enjoyable. Like and I, I sort of critically appreciate that I found it enjoyable, even though the the main plot line is pretty dry yeah, on paper. It is kind of dry, yeah. It's just sort of the, the you know, the stakes are low. Genley seems pretty open to the fact that he may die and someone else will try in a hundred years or something. Right. Um, and there's that like little uh, fortune telling where he's told that yeah. the are in the ecumen, which kind of, that's true. Diffuses some tension, I guess, or changes the tension to like, how will he do it rather than will he do it? Right. And I mean, I guess the story is also much more about his, 
growth and his relationship with Estraven and like how he comes to sort of understand the world better. Yeah. As a, it's, it's not like, you know, I, I mean, I guess even like reading the book for the first time, I did not really care if he, if, if this world joined the ecumen or not, I wanted to see if Genli would survive and, you know, what would happen and what, what else we would learn. Yeah. I, I just found the world interesting. Like yeah, the consequences of the ambisexuality were kind of neat. Yeah. Um, ready for another complaint? Yeah. I also, also Genli's last name is I, mm-hmm. AI, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I found Genli's, Genli as a sort of representative of a culture with, with, um, you know, sort of human gender, like human sexual characteristics, like clear. Okay. Clearly some part of the book, I found it unsatisfying. Clearly some part of the book is Genli as our representative in this strange world, exploring it and reacting to it and, and seeing how he fits into this society that he doesn't understand. Right. And there are many moments where he thinks about, and I didn't find him, I didn't find his reactions as a man uh, with, from that certain perspective to be particularly genuine. Um, I like you would have. It wasn't a credible male viewpoint. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that is just because I know it was written by a woman. Yeah. I'm sure um, some of it is. I think that's like a really common theme. Like authors can't write the opposite gender. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's way harder. I yeah. would expect. I also but, like Bujold. Oh, sorry to derail this. Why don't you continue and then we'll talk no, about No, no, no. No, yeah. I mean, derailing is is what we're all about. So. I always felt like Bujold's main characters were half believable. Like they weren't quite there, but I was like, I could kind of see this sometimes being real. Yeah, like I didn't real... think old, what's his name? Old, you know, the garbage man from that book? <laughs> the, the, the bad guy. Yeah, Casserole. Um I didn't think he was he was implausible as a, as a male character. I actually thought he was pretty plausible as a character altogether. He was just a frustrating person Yes, for me to see everything he did. Um, right. But, and I think Ursula Le Guin is pretty good. Like her, I don't think I've ever seen her write a really, like I think Stephen King can write a really good, sort of despicable masculine character right. right in a way that i feel like draws pretty clearly from things he's observed about his own darker you know impulses and observations right whereas like i think ged in wizard of earthsea etc is a great character but he is very um thoughtful and quiet and and even sort of a little unhuman in parts just in general because you know, he's sort of detached and fatalistic and stuff. It's, he's not like, you know, I, I wouldn't want him to be some sort of horrific red blooded American male or something, but it's not an attempt to portray that type of person. And I think it's successful on its own merits, but yeah. Um, but, but this, I feel like is different. So I, I have, because 
so much attention is drawn to the fact that he is male and he is not am bisexual and he is in this situation. And right. he, like he he has his own view of gender roles, which is or, or gender, you know, whatever the the facts of gender than than anyone else he interacts with in this book. And I feel like most of the time he is he is observing his own reactions in his own head instead of having a reaction and feeling natural about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. And, and I feel like that could have strengthened that aspect because then the reader gets to observe, Oh wait, like Genley keeps acting like this thing is totally normal, but as someone with a slightly different perspective from him as a character, I can see that, you know, this other culture has its own internal logic and he is actually being uh, kind of ignorant and and limited by his own view, which is the, the worldview I have because, you know, this this biology is not real. But, and and I think that would be, it would make him sort of less likable, mm-hmm. at least in the moment. But I think it would be more interesting if you just heard his unfiltered thoughts, because even if he is the most enlightened diplomat of all time, he is still going to have reactions. Right. He is not going to always immediately think that those reactions are wrong. Some of them he will just think are completely normal and not even consider that there's another way to react to a situation. Um, like, you but mean instead. He should- have more disgust or something or not, not even disgust. It's, it doesn't have to like disgust, especially visible disgust, I think would be totally inappropriate yeah. for his character. But, and I, so I don't even mean that. I mean, if she could have gone one layer deeper, it would have been way harder, but to think about the things, the way he would react being from this one worldview to ordinary things as opposed to like seeing someone and bisexual and being like, oh, that's that's weird and not what I'm used to. Like that would be too broad, but just sort of right. like reacting with, with more sort of, I don't know. I, I, you know, I can't think of an example in the moment, but I'm sure there are many, many ways that we react that is a result and just sort of act in society that is a result of our specific situation. And it would have been really great if she could, if she had observed some of those things and had him act that way in a way that the reader could observe and notice. And it's not Genley saying, you know, oh, I felt him to be sort of effeminate and therefore I didn't trust him, which is so like cerebral and, and external. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like what would you want him to say in that situation? <laughs> I, I would rather have him, I guess in that example, like in, in moments where Estrovan is acting more feminine to Genli's perceptions, if if Genli had just treated Estrovan differently in those moments than like, he did when, like, like reacted differently, like, I don't know, been more dismissive or been more suspicious or something instead of observing that he's thinking that i see um, 
Um, like anyway, instead of it's, announcing his thoughts, he should have just done something. He should have done something and not thought about it. Like he, sh- right. he should have had, I'm saying should, but like to, to follow this idea to the end of the line, not saying, you know, it's a great book, but, uh, or very good, no spoilers, but yeah. um, it's, I don't know. He, he, he just didn't quite seem to, I, I feel like the character didn't wring everything possible out of his interesting predicament as a person in this new strange society to him. Right. Because he was so cerebral. So my take here was like, the ecumen must be encountering all sorts of strange people. So maybe they have like trainings for these things, you know, like diversity and inclusion trainings. No, that's true. But yeah, and you could be right. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if it was intentional, but he certainly does observe plenty of, you know, sort of disgust or, or distaste maybe for sort of like, like Genli observes, I think more than once in himself that he doesn't sort of like or is sort of uncomfortable with how Estraven can seem male or female at at a given time. And Genli sort of, I think, distrusts this feeling in himself. But anyway, I don't know. It's it's a it's a sort of a minor point. But right. But I guess the broader point is that I I didn't totally buy Genli as a as a, a male character in this situation. And that was highlighted by the fact that that's kind of the whole focus of the book. Right. Do you think the book would have been more interesting or different if like the main character had been a woman? It would have been, I, I'm, I'm sure it definitely would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it would be better or worse. Yeah, I mean, or I feel like in there's more to sort of critique. Like, if if you want to critique gender politics, I could see why Ursula Le Guin would think there's more to be gotten by putting, you know, a a male character who might be the embodiment of. Right, right. Patriarchy or something like that in that situation and having to reckon with it as as opposed to a female. But I'm sure it would have been it would have been interesting. Yeah. She Uh, writes I can't think of a female character. I certainly female characters, but like antagonists. Yeah. Lay the Heaven, the Dispossessed, Left Hand of Darkness. I haven't read all of her books, but the Earthsea stuff. At least at, for the first couple books, yeah, and and that may have just been a decision. For all I know, it was impossible to get a book with a female protagonist published in 1970. That <laughs> might well be true. Um, yeah, I I guess not to belabor this, but I guess that's what we're all about. It seems pretty clear to me that she wants to contrast some version of contemporary masculinity. Like she wants to put that under the lens of this new world. So from that perspective, 
I think even the explanation that maybe he is just sort of really enlightened mm-hmm. falls apart a little because that just makes that contrast less interesting. Right? Like, right. So, so I've got a cat here. That's a good cat. Do you have any cats there? No, no cats. Um, I feel like you should. They're cheap. Yeah, but you gotta yeah. you gotta take care of them. Yeah. And then you but gotta. You know, what if the cat takes care of you in return? I mean, that'd be good. But <laughs> but I, I heard from from someone that the cats just use you for food. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any more? Uh, items to discuss um i should probably say some good things because i did like it right i think her characterization is always super strong she you know estrovin starts off as like this guy well this official standing to genley's left at this ceremony and then quickly very quickly becomes this complex, interesting character. And she, I don't know, she sketches that stuff all in really well. I think Carhide is much more interesting, or it's sort of like this individualistic, feudal monarchy. Right. I found that country to be much more interesting than Orgarain, which really did feel just sort of like another broad Soviet Union clone like even down to the point of like oh the people seemed sort of you know dull but that was okay like it was sort of nice and the people of carhide are, are so vibrant and exhausting um was it, so do you think like carhide was like england i don't know what it was i was thinking about that because obviously once you make the soviet union connection you start looking but i mean it was certainly more individualistic but in in a way that didn't Maybe I liked it more because it didn't seem like it mapped right to something else. Right. Like you could, I guess, say that it's a little more, it could be America in the Cold War. Like uh, it's very, it's very unauthoritarian. Like nobody cares about what the king says or does and et cetera. But that seems kind of thin. Yeah. I think it's not quite America. Yeah. Not, not in the same way that Orgarine is the Soviet Union. Right. Like, I think... Have you read The Dispossessed? Yeah. Um, though I don't recall it very well. Yeah. I mean, I think the Uras, like the planet, the capitalist planet, is closer to a, a sort of critique of capitalist America than Carhide is yeah. of America. So, yeah. So you, you had some digression for us, right? And then we uh, can... Yes. Um Get to some star ratings. Perhaps before the star ratings, I have a general comment about the Hugo Awards. Or general, They're all bad. Well, I, I want to go into depth about how these awards are given. Okay. So um, the Hugo Awards are given to the book that has the most votes at the World Science Fiction Convention. So every year, people get together at this convention Um and anyone can register to be a member and attend this convention. And anyone who registers and attends can vote on who should win the Hugo Award. Oh, really? Yeah. So the way it works is like voters will rank books. Like, I guess you'll have to rank. Wow. Um, <laughs> they'll submit <laughs> what their a, rankings. What a noble endeavor. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, they'll submit their rankings, and then the top six books will go into an instant runoff, and then the winner will be chosen of that. So wow. it's the readers that choose the Hugo Award, not so writers, you, not elites. So you can just put down anything? Any or is, book. It, is there a slate? Okay. No, you can put down anything, and then the top six books will go into a runoff, wow. an instant runoff. So there's no second vote. It's like you rank them, so you can do the instant runoff. Oh, 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 I see. Oh, so, wait. Oh, but it's a runoff. So it's, okay. Is that different than just ranking them and choosing the top one, I guess, slightly? Right. So the the, the first round is like you take everyone's top ranks, and then um, the top six ranked books uh are the nominees and then anyone who voted for a different top book um will their vote will be moved to a different book based on how they ranked it if they ranked it okay so yeah so like rank choice voting yeah i'm not 100 percent sure if it's rank choice or a slightly different system but it's something like that right okay but it's not that's interesting so you, you could imagine that if there's a contingent of like bujold fans they'll all vote for Bujol books and make sure she keeps on winning. Um, Now, in in contrast to the Hugo Award, the Nebula Award is the same system, but the voters are people who are writers. And there's like an application process to become part of the Science Fiction Writers Union or whatever it's called. Oh, I see. So SIFWA or whatever, the science... Yeah. Something, something, yeah. So Hugo Awards are chosen by readers. Right. There's it's, no critics. Okay. It's still voting. And Nebula words are chosen by writers. Um, okay. So this could explain some of the books we've seen. Like if readers get really excited about a book or there's like like lots of... Publicity uh, or something. Yeah, publicity or like like uh, vote, like trying to get votes at the convention or something. God, do you think that really happens? That sounds very good. I think so. We should go I mean, to one it, of these it, conventions. We see should, what happens. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, uh, no conventions anymore, but we could travel to the past. Yeah. Well, they they they, they were online this year, so we oh. could do next year they'll probably be online too, so we could do that. Okay. But that sounds and pretty good. And then rough. we can vote. Yeah. So we can does vote. it does anyone verify that it's from like the right year? Uh, I think uh, the book has to be published in the previous calendar year, otherwise okay. it can't win. I don't um, think I've ever read a book published in the previous calendar year so maybe well, we can just get some more bujold in there yeah or... <laughs> yeah I, um, yeah that, that's strange okay so yeah. that removes a little of the 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 theory of it's just sort of this well the explicit the idea that explicitly it's just a bunch of people nominating their friends like right. elites nominating their friends right anyone can be nominated it's um, sure it, it still feels like yeah, but but in a way, it sort of makes it more likely that the distribution will be weird. Yes. Because it's such a small group and probably selects on certain lines, whatever they are. Right. Um, like one interesting stat is Bujold has won 12 Hugo Awards chosen by readers and only six Nebula Awards chosen by writers. Huh. And like Chris of Chalian was a Hugo Award winner, not a Nebula Award winner. Huh. Interesting. Um, I just don't understand people. You know? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand. How how could you... Like, oh, man. The Curse of Chalion reminds me of 
the name of the wind, like all that stuff. And people oh, love yeah. those books. They love them. I thought they were okay. Oh God, Neil, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have you work camped immediately. I mean, it was a great seventy hours of audiobook. But it's so terrible. Oh. It's like All right. we'll talk. Maybe we should. We should probably read that someday. I don't. Want to. <laughs> oh my god, that's like so many hours. I mean, well, you've already read it, right? Well, we'll have to reread it. No, just just skim the, the cliff notes or whatever it is. Yeah. These days. Um, I've been thinking. I'm gonna try and start grabbing some more ex- um, examples of writing, like just little bits, mm-hmm. couple sentences to highlight because. I do want this to be partially about the uh, the language because often I feel like we'll or it's it's probably me. I'll talk about some like minor hang up I had in the plot or the characterization for ten minutes, and then say I really like the writing, but the fact that I really like the writing is more important to me than that criticism. But there's only so much you can say about it without some examples or something. So I think I'm going to try to work right. in a little more of that. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I did choose a sentence in this book to oh. illustrate good writing. Perfect. Um, a, this is when Estravan got shot just oh. before that, when they couldn't yeah. hide. A sunlit sky, a white world, and we two strokes of shadow on it fleeing. Um, yeah. It's pretty good. Really evokes good. some imagery. There, Yeah, there is. I wonder... I think it works in pretty well, but I wonder if this book, how this book would change if there were no made up words other than names, if they just used, you know, English words for various things. Like honor code instead of shift grether. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. I just wonder. Because there's some cost to putting that stuff in. There's value too, but. There's there's definitely a cost, right, to the to the reader. Um, oh yeah, so I, you want to hear another criticism? Yeah, I know you do. Um, I I'm not. I wasn't in love with Estravan dying at the end. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Um, like, why did he do that? Was he committing suicide or what? Yeah, my understanding of the mechanics is that even if Genli came back to Carhide it would not have had the consequences it did while he was still associated with Estrovan as a traitor and while Estrovan still had all these enemies. And Estrovan's death in that manner, bringing Genli back, sort of exonerates Estrovan beyond any doubt and removes the obstacle of any of sort of Estrovan's personal enemies, right? Like you know like his his political rivalries and stuff no longer become an obstacle so right. my my understanding is that he did deliberately let himself be killed so that genli would succeed his ultimate mission and that's uh, estrovan's goal in the entire book is to have humanity on winter join the ecumen and he achieves it at the end at the cost of his life so I had the opposite feeling like um, it sounded like things were turning around for Tybe and like if Genli had just waited for like another week, he would have been home free. Mm. Uh, like it seemed like um, Tybe was falling out of favor with the king because he right. was wrong 
Um, and like he also losing grips on all his guards and stuff. And yeah. I, for that reason, I couldn't really understand why Genli died. Like it almost felt like he committed Estrevan, suicide and they alluded Estrevan to died? it. Estrevan, sorry. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it certainly is not like a, like a lock and key kind of plot development where I was like, Oh, of course, like it all makes sense. Yeah. And I even just mean like, it just, it felt kind of cheap. It's like, yep. Like, of you know, of course they make it all this way and they finally understand each other and they come through all this horrible suffering. And yes. And then he is killed in a couple very elegant sentences. Like I think it was done very well, but I don't really know what it added yeah. to the story other than that hit of sort of tragedy, but like, it's just so easy to do, you know, yeah, all I, you I do is feeling. decide that Estervin will die after all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had the exact same feeling. Like it just seemed there to induce a sense of tragedy um, rather yeah. than a fully happy ending. Um, and I do feel like tragic endings are usually better. Well, yeah, that's how you feel about life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, if it had just been like they get back and there's a parade and Estrovan becomes king and they hug and Genli gets back on his spaceship and everyone like that would have been stupid. But yeah, exactly. I really don't think the book would have been compromised if like they had come back and, you know, whatever. The, Genli and Estrovan sort of – Estrovan rejoins the government. And he and Genli sort of go their separate ways and have one final meeting um, as Genli leaves for good, like he's about to travel by light speed and they will never see each other again or whatever it is. Right. Um, and they have this final moment of like, hey, you know, good good work surviving all that ice stuff. We are, we are friends. I'm not saying it should have happened that way. I'm just saying I don't think it would have compromised anything about the story. To right. have it end like that, as it, like it, Estrovan's death didn't feel inevitable. It didn't feel like it unlocked anything in the plot or in Genli's character, other than it sort of like shatters him for the remainder of the book, and he, which almost weakens the book to me because then he's just sort of observing these events and not acting. And I, I don't really, yeah. Anyway, it was mine, but well, less minor than some other criticisms, but you know right shall we uh move on to the star ratings yes um, yes we shall shall i go first um who went first last time i don't recall all right you go first this time and i'll go first next time yes i uh i think i'm gonna give this book four stars because yeah no no keep going oh uh because i found it enjoyable to read I thought the writing was good and um, I thought the world was good, but I also found it to be like slightly uh, like the main plot line was slightly uninteresting, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I, okay. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, four stars is, is you're saying you really liked it right? Yeah. Okay. I am also going to give it four stars. I came into this sort of thinking it might get five stars. Yeah. But 
And I feel like, I think really like all the things I've criticized about it, I do really like it. I think the writing is very good. Um, and and the criticisms of Genli, I don't think would be enough to knock it down a star. For me, it's really just that the Orgarain stuff just feels, it's just like, it's it's sort of, uninteresting to me because i've seen that society portrayed so many times right and it drives me crazy like the fact that he gets arrested and thrown into the work camps at the end in of his time there it's like of course like of course all these people were using you estrovan specifically warns you and he's just like of course estrovan can't be trusted and and he just sort of drifts around uh, that that section really frustrates me especially on a second reading so Right. Um, yeah, but four stars is pretty good. Probably yeah. it would if they were if they were allowed, which they're not. It could be a four point five because like the the whole package comes together really well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does. Um, I, I would stick with four. Okay. Well, I I shouldn't even say anything because it's not because they're not allowed and right, like they're we're not even real. We're delegitim. We're legitimizing half stars by even talking right. about it in this way and one of the most disgusting <laughs> elements of our current society yeah. that's you know that's why we don't make stuff anymore in this country neil because <laughs> kids in school they get half stars they're told they're great anyway um yeah. we need to choose another book yes it's your turn yes i want to choose something contemporary and I like think very contemporary, perhaps. Yeah. I th I think we've already. I, I'm going to pick a, a Hugo. <clears throat> we've already sort of. Oh, um, yeah. With my rant earlier, I was wondering if we should like shift to Nebula Awards or something like that. Oh, oh, interesting. Well, I I, I feel like maybe the natural course this is going to take is we just sort of open this up more broadly to the genre. Right. Um, because we've already, like, I think we started, the very first idea for this was that it would just be winners. And yes. very quickly, we abandoned that. And we've already done one book, right? Haven't we done something? That wasn't a winner or nominee? Yeah, I thought, I um, there's no way to know now. I don't I don't think so. I think we've been thinking about Purency, which isn't either, but we haven't done that. Thinking about what? Uh, Susan, what's her name? Oh, Jonathan Strange oh. and Mr. Norrell. Oh, should I pick that? Yeah. Okay. I was going to just pick some some 2020 book that I knew nothing about. That's well, this, this is a 2020 book we know a little bit That's about. That's true. I meant like a like a Hugo one. But oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Susanna Clark, that's her name. All right. That's a good idea. I've been wanting to read this. Okay, so we are going... Is it yeah. even science fiction or fantasy? Um, it is? Okay. Well, it's fantasy. Right, we are going to... Okay, that's fine. And it would not at all surprise me if this book won or was nominated for a Hugo. So yes. there you go. Um, I think it will most likely be a nominee next year, if not a winner. Okay. Yeah, because Jonathan Strange and the Endless Nightmare, <laughs> that, that won something, right? Yeah, that won in 2005. That won a Hugo. Dear yeah, God. Just, just imagine like... A thousand Michael Petrie clones just yeah. going to that convention and being like, maybe we shouldn't go. 
<laughs> we'll definitely get murdered. All right. So yeah. next book, we are going to read Piranesi by Susanna Clark, which came out this year. The author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, but apparently she has been reduced to 245 pages, mm-hmm. which is great news. And okay, cool. Yeah, I've been I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah. So same. yeah, okay. And, so we'll be back. Oh no. Huh? What do you got? Oh, uh, it'll probably be a future Hugo. Yes. So we're not still if, in... not if I have anything to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Want to go to the convention next year? I don't. Can... I don't hate her as an author. Like yeah. I don't. Jonathan Strange was a straight up one star book for me, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm intrigued. I just feel like it was completely unedited and a thousand pages long and dreadful. Yeah. But okay, Piranesi, Susanna Clark in two weeks. We will see you then. Goodbye, Neil.